Hi, this is Suparna Goswami, Associate Editor with Information Security Media. I have the pleasure of speaking with Caitlin Fennessy, Research Director at IIPP. We will be talking about the revised CCPA guidelines and how has it helped the businesses. Caitlin, good to have you back. Welcome and thanks for joining the ISMG conversation. Thank you for having me. So, Caitlin, under the revised CCPA guidelines, I was reading that businesses are no longer obliged to search for personal information in, res in response to consumers' requests. Does this make things easier for businesses? And also wanted to check is, as a legal expert, do you think it is unfair on consumers since CCPA was ultimately designed for them? Sure, I'm happy to address that. So I think it's really important to look at this issue in the, the full context of what is required of businesses and the conditions under which they are not required to search upon a consumer request. So in responding to a request to know a business under the revised regulations is not required to search for personal information if four separate conditions are met. And the first of those conditions is that the business does not maintain the personal information in a searchable or reasonably accessible format. So that's the first one, but it's, it's far from the only one. And the, the other ones I think are quite meaningful and reduce any harm that, that would be caused to consumers. And so that is that the business maintains the personal information solely for legal or compliance purposes, that the business does not sell that information and does not use it for any commercial purpose. And then the business is also required to describe to the consumer the categories of records that may contain personal information, but that which they did not search, you know, because these conditions were met. So I think what the AG's office is, is trying to do here is take a pragmatic approach to consumer requests and the requirements on businesses in this area so that the type of information that is maintained, you know, for legal purposes does not get captured when it's not easily searchable. Okay, so you're saying that so in case the data is not easily searchable or accessible, only then businesses are not required to meet the consumer's request, right? They're, they're not required to, to search when that is the yeah. case. And then those other conditions also uh, come into play, but they still do have to make the consumer aware that they have these records that might contain personal information that they're not searching and to describe those so that the consumer understands. So has these things made life easy for businesses or, or is it status quo? It's a good question. I do think that it will provide businesses some reassurance that the AG's office is trying to take a pragmatic approach here and that they are not trying to create unreasonable requirements for businesses to manually sort through reams of, of paper documents that are maintained purely for legal compliance purposes. So yes, I, I do think this is helpful to, to businesses. It, it also seems like a, a reasonable approach that will not um, undermine the goals of the CCPA from a consumer perspective. Sure. Caitlin, uh, I'll quote verbatim here. One of the revised guidelines, it was written that when a business collects personal information from a consumer's mobile device, for a purpose that the consumer would not reasonably expect, the revised regulation would require the business to provide a just-in-time notice. So what I wanted to know from you is, what is just-in-time notice and how will it make things easy for businesses? 
Yeah, so this is a great question. And to be clear, I don't think that this is a change that is designed to make things easier for business. What it, as I see it, what it's designed to do is to align, better align business practices with consumer expectations. And this reflects, I think, one of the core privacy by design principles that we're seeing businesses make a much greater effort to incorporate into their practices. So the way businesses are collecting and processing consumers' personal information really should align with their expectations. So the idea of just-in-time notice in this context is that if consumers on a mobile device, they're using an application and the application is, or, or mobile site is collecting information that they really couldn't reasonably expect from the interface and the purposes for which they are using it, then the business should provide them at that moment of collection with notice. And the concept of just-in-time notice. The AG goes into some details here and suggests that a pop-up, for instance, could be one way to effectuate that. A pop-up that says the example they provide ties back to an FTC case related to a flashlight application collecting geolocation information. And so, you know, if, if a flashlight application is collecting geolocation information, that certainly wouldn't be what you would expect from a flashlight application. And that merits a heightened degree of notice that perhaps could be carried out through a pop-up. And so I think this is uh, helpful from a, a consumer perspective, how it actually works in practice and whether it, it benefits consumers and, and doesn't, you know, unduly burden businesses will require, I think, some creativity in terms of privacy engineering and consumer testing and thinking through how uh, this requirement can best be carried out without, you know, just flooding the market with, with new pop-ups, which is, is clearly not what is, is desired here and, and wouldn't be quite as helpful. Yeah, sure. Caitlin, you must have gone through the changes that the Attorney General has suggested. So I presume that many challenges, uh, challenging aspects of regulation still remain. So what are some of the aspects that you'd ideally like to see, you know, the AG further bringing in some changes? And among the changes that he has brought in, what has been one or two things that has probably impressed you the most? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. So I think starting with, with your latter uh, question, you know, I, I really do think from reading through these, what the AG's office was aiming here for here was a as pragmatic and clear an approach as possible. So they clearly spent a lot of time providing additional details around what is required in terms of notice requirements, providing as much clarity as possible, what is required around uh, the handling of consumer requests, you know, what is required for financial incentives. I thought there was some really helpful clarity offered with regard to processing of household requests in particular, and they clarified the definition of household such that it is, is not just someone, some group of people residing at the same address, but that they also share a device or service and are identified uh, by a shared account or identifier. And then when they are requesting specific 
pieces of information, there is, or deletion, there is a requirement that all members of the household be verified unless they have access to a, a password protected account. And there were a lot of concerns around the household concept since it is so novel. So I think that was particularly helpful. So I think the added clarity and the examples were really helpful. The other thing that caught my eye and I think will be welcome from a business perspective is that they seem to have made a strong effort to align the regulations with existing guidance and standards already in place in the market. So for instance, the earlier version of the regulations focused on business cannot use a use personal information for a purpose which was not disclosed uh, originally at collection. And this version tweaked that and added in the uh, commonly accepted FTC standard of materially different. So uh, now the regulations specify that personal information cannot be used for a purpose that is materially different than what was disclosed at the, the point of collection. And I think that's meaningful and it's, it's also reasonable and aligns with the FTC's existing guidance. They also pointed to existing standards in the accessibility uh, space. So for those who aren't able to, to read a website just with the written word or, or to listen to graphics, there's accessibility standards the W3C has put out. And so they deferred to those standards. Now, while they are difficult in many instances for businesses to meet, they require a lot of work, at least they're not reinventing the wheel. And I think that will be important to businesses. So in terms of further challenges, what I think remains is actually less tied to the words on the page and more tied to what is difficult to anticipate. So, you know, there are just incredible nuances that can arise as technologies evolve. And the AG's office clearly cannot provide examples for every set of circumstances. So I think new business practices will evolve and industry in the AG's office will grapple with, you know, how those align or don't align uh, with these regulations. There's a possibility that fraudulent requests could uh, prove a challenge, particularly for companies that are handling requests in a more manual fashion rather than through sign-ons and the like and authentication practices. But to date, we haven't seen a huge surge in requests, so perhaps that won't be too big a challenge. Another area that, that I did really focus on was the global opt-out requests and the need to respect global opt-out requests. The AG's regulations helpfully clarify that there needs to be an affirmative action uh, to you know, effectuate an, a global opt-out. So if, for instance, consumer is using a browser and trying to opt out of all sales of data, it can't be pre-ticked. They have to actually tick that but that is meant to override business-specific settings. And so I think that there could be instances when that uh, difference, the difference between a global opt-out request and the settings that the uh, consumer has with a specific business don't align, and, and that could cause frustration for both businesses and consumers. And I think we'll just have to see how that plays out. I guess the, the last thing I, I want to point to here is that how 
all of this is carried out, I think will really depend on businesses training their entire kind of teams in CCPA requirements. So the CCPA specifies training requirements. And I think it's really important that software developers, interface designers, privacy engineers, the legal team, business owners all get trained in these requirements so that they can work together to meet the spirit of of the regulations rather than just the letter of the law. And I think, you know, it will be important to have creative conversations about how uh, engineering can solve some of these challenges. You know, we have put out some CCPA training uh, to, to try to help with that. We're also trying to cover at the IEPP you know, as many of the operational aspects of CCPA as closely as we can. But we always invite people to reach out to us if there are areas that they would like uh, to see us cover in more depth. So certainly invite that if helpful. Okay, interesting. Great, uh, Caitlin. Thanks a lot for sharing your thoughts. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You will listen to Caitlin Finese for ICMG Nisha. This is Suparna Goswami. Thank you for listening. Kathleen, it's good to have you back. Thanks for joining.